Um, my mom, you, you're on, you're on, uh, you put a video on, I don't know, it's like a, it went viral in <laughs> Southern West Virginia. Oh yeah. a yeah. song about West Virginia. And yeah. my mom said, have you seen this on, Fa- I'm not on Facebook, you know, Yeah. but she's old. So she still is. Right. And she, she's like, Drew, Drew Dunbar's on Facebook. <laughs> she knows me? She know yeah, of course she knows Holy you. Holy cow. You're famous. Oh man. We gotta hook up on there. I need to see if we're friends. That's weird. Um no. I, I chose I my words listened carefully. to your album yet. You sent it to me just now. Yeah. And I didn't listen to it. But wow. I'm excited about it. I'm gonna I'm gonna listen to it when I get home. I'm I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Uh so I am very excited about getting into this conversation today. I'm also very nervous about it. This is the one where um, we've started this podcast and started these conversations. And it really, obviously, kind of just came out of conversations you and I were already having. Um, And we said, hey, why don't we just record them, right? I think that's essentially what what kind of kicked this off. Um, And... uh, but the thing is, a, a conversation that we have has a bit of, uh, um, it doesn't matter too much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like I can, I can say, hey, I'm a pastor and, uh, and I think I'm supposed to teach this, but I don't think I believe it. Uh, or <laughs> I, I, um, And nobody gets fired. <laughs> yeah, I'm conflicted. Like I can just sort of, you know, call a friend and, uh, and talk through this. But today's subject, for whatever reason, and I'm at a point in my life where I... When I think about heaven and hell, it is now for me, in terms of my theology, in terms of my relationship with Jesus, my relationship with with the church, for me, it's not a big deal to me anymore. Like how how people feel about it, what we believe about it, what I believe about it, it's kind of, it's not a deal breaker kind of thing um, anymore, but... I'm in the minority <laughs> for that. As it turns out, yeah. most people hinge their faith heavily uh, on on what it is that they believe about heaven and hell, what happens after we die, that kind of stuff. So, without further ado, I guess let's start this. Good thing we're not live, because um, I'm going to decide whenever <laughs> it's over whether I ever let anybody whether hear what will. I said here or not. <laughs> Sure. I might even tell you that I published it and just tell you like nobody's I don't know, man. I put it all over Facebook and nobody <laughs> seems to care. And I, won't, I <laughs> won't know unless, you know, I just be like, Marge, did you get that? <laughs> did you get that podcast about hell? Oh, roll that music. My problem with hell is I don't believe that the good, kind, loving Christian people that I have known all of my life and that I have pastored and that I have lived alongside in the church world, I don't believe that they believe what they say they believe. That is now. That's not a. That's not a Bible address. That's not like what does it say? Yeah. What do we? But that is that is a starting place for me. Hell came unraveled for me years and years and years ago. Whenever I started looking around and saying, we tell people that they need to share their faith with their neighbors, with their 
uh, parents, with their cousins, with their... Or those people will burn in hell forever, being consciously tormented. And they won't do it. <laughs> they, they say they believe us, and they won't yeah. do it. So either these are the worst people on the planet, either the church is made up of the worst, or they don't actually believe what they say they believe about that. Somewhere in their heart of hearts, they know the God that I love and serve. I don't think that part is actually true. I say it's true because I know I have to, but I don't think I believe that part. That is where things started to come apart at the seams for me. Do you think that, is it one of those things, like, I hear what you're saying. It's like, that was weird. I hear myself echoing now. In your, I don't know. Anyway, I, I hear what you're there? saying. I'm like uh, a little bit, yeah. Hmm. All right. Um, like nobody that I know is that unkind <laughs> that they would not do that. But it's also like I do want to say that it seems to me that people's beliefs are genuine. Like they. They think that they believe that. Right. Um, in the same way, it's probably like, I believe that the planet is heating up at really scary rates and that it's going to end up killing us all. You know, but sometimes I'm walking around an amusement park with a plastic bottle and I'm like, ah, the recycling is so far away. <laughs> I'll just throw it in the trash. You know what I mean? Like, I do. I really genuinely believe in climate change and that it's a problem. And, and like, also, I can't get motivated to do what I need to do, right? There's something to that, yes. I'm printing something. Yeah, I'm getting, printing. <laughs> I'm getting a fax. Uh, <laughs> hopefully it's not a very long one. Uh, uh I hear that. I see that there is... Um, there is hypocrisy written into the, the fabric of, of all human behavior. Um, to me, I mean, so... <laughs> two things on that. One, um, if we believe what we say we believe then the stakes are actually higher for this belief than they even are for climate change. Um, if we believe that this is, you know, climate change is, in, for all t- intents and purposes, for Christians, a temporary issue. Probably the reason most Christians, most evangelical American, sort of right-wing-ish Christians, don't seem too concerned about it. They, they don't even share what you, where you sit on it. Um, but there is this kind of temporary nature to like, well, we won't save the planet, but ultimately it's just going to get burned up anyways. And what really matters yeah, is right. after that. And so that to me is where, and, and maybe that's a cop out, but because hypocrisy is still an issue no matter what, but it's like the stakes should be, the stakes are so much higher. It's kind of yeah. this blip of a moment that you're on this planet um, is the determining factor for, eternal lives after this and and we can't be bothered to tell that to someone i also and 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 on this front 
a really interesting thing, and I think I've said this to you a couple of times, and it's a very unpopular thing to say, but um, on this front, I would say that the Westboro Baptist people, um, <laughs> they seem to believe it a little more. They're, they're they, they, like yeah. if if you think this is true, then what they're doing now, some of their messages, I don't understand. I don't understand why. But <laughs> but what they're doing at least makes more sense to me than the 99 percent of American evangelicals, as far as I'm concerned, they that what they're doing makes more sense. What the the Mormons training up kids to go door to door, Jehovah's Witness training up families to go door to door to tell as many people as possible, things that evangelical, the 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 vast majority of evangelicals look at as strange behavior, um, or as crazy behavior, maybe even. Um, to me, it's like, well, if you believe what you say you believe, it's actually more coherent. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Those people are living in at least a little bit more, um, more aligned. What they're doing aligns with what they say they believe a little better than, than what I see the average. Now, I know, and hopefully for the listener, you know, we're going to get into more of what the Bible actually says about this stuff and what we, but just as a, as a starting point, um, if this is something you have a problem with, and something something that you find difficult uh, to have a conversation about hell, I would just suggest to you to consider when's the last time you told somebody. You already don't believe it. <laughs> it might be possible yeah. that you already don't believe some of the things that you think you're supposed to believe, um, and so being a little bit open to, you know, learning about what the scriptures actually do say about it. Um, my notes have a lot to do with what Jesus, in particular, has to say about it. Uh, I don't know. I, th- I think it's worth the conversation. <laughs> well, let me let me say this because we've uh, we've talked about this on this podcast before that um, you and I grew up in kind of very similar, um, you know, sort of fundamentalist what what some folks might call fundamentalist kind of backgrounds, um, and then we went on we had kind of different tra- trajectories from yeah. there. And you stayed in mostly, uh, like broadly speaking, evangelical kind of world, right? Um, where a lot of people do struggle with this question. I have spent most of my adult life and career in um, progressive mainline denominations, where this question is not an issue. Like it's not something that people are asking about. Um, so, I mean, I'll just say that I, I, by the end of it, I think that we're going to make your (laughs) uncomfortable. We're probably, you know, probably going to, people are going to say, well, they, you know, they don't believe in hell. They've lost the gospel and whatever else. But I like just at the outset, like, I'd like to say a little bit of a word in defense of hell. Yeah. Um, because I think it, I mean, I think the Bible uses this kind of language and this kind of imagery for a reason um, that has to do with, like, um, if there's any justice in the world, then there has to be also some judgment. Yeah. There has to be also some, you know, like, um, just kind of a... a an example that's relevant now, like the the 
Black Lives Matter movement, uh, you know, I, I think started out primarily as, you know, parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles saying like, you know, look, if our kids are going to get gunned down in the streets unarmed, can at least somebody lose their fucking job? Like, yeah. can there be some, can we acknowledge in some way that this matters, that this was yeah. um, wrong and unjust? And, you know, as as that movement has grown and progressed, now we're talking about not just accountability, but like, can there be some... You know, does there need to be some defunding of entire programs and departments? Um, I think you see the same kind of thing in like, you know, the Me Too movement, right? Uh, which started out as people being able to tell their women, being able to tell their stories of abuse and betrayal and uh, and and power dynamics and things like this. But like immediately followed by that is hashtag times up, like. Okay, if these stories are true, um, if we're going to believe what these women are saying, then then some people have to uh, yeah. lose their jobs, have to be taken out of positions of power, and it's like, you know, the point is, if there's if there's justice in the world, then some heads are going to have to roll, uh, and so I think part of what the Bible is getting at, like. It's a, it's a very privileged kind of position to say, well, God is just love and God mm-hmm. is so kind. God would never like if you are in a position where you are being brutally and consistently under like an oppressive yoke, as were the people who wrote the Bible, um, then you. You want a God who has a fiery side and has a right. little wrath and has a little like can fight for you. Um, and I think that that's what's behind a lot of the language that that becomes the language that we're rightly upset about. Um, but I, I think that we also want to hold on to that understanding of God. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, to to follow that up and, and even to put into, put into a, a little bit of words, like even w- what I believe right now and how I, I would say I have not abandoned hell completely. I, I don't want to live in a world where there is no judgment for those things. I'm 100% with you there. I would say if the purpose of, um, the Christian faith, if the purpose of Jesus coming and starting a church and us being a part of that movement is to bring heaven to earth um, in all the ways that we can and to experience the kingdom of God here and now and in eternity, that, that really eternal life could begin any moment. Like that we could begin, I could begin my eternal life right now by entering into this shalom, this perfect place of peace with God. Um, in order f- to bring heaven to earth, um, well, some stuff's got to go. So for me, the imagery of hell, the, the conversation of hell, um, the purpose of repentance, like th- all of this stuff, the, the definitions of sin and all of the things that stuff's got, there's got to be some things burned away in order for heaven to persist, in order for heaven to exist, in order for the world to be a better place. 
well, there's got to be a system of getting rid of the stuff that isn't heaven. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, how do you carve a horse? You take a block of wood and cut off all the things that don't look like a horse. Yeah, that's how I. I've never done it differently than that. That's the way you would do it. <laughs> if you if you were, to, <laughs> how would a woodchuck? No, I don't know. I can't. <laughs> I feel like there's a line there. Never mind. We'll, we'll edit that out. <laughs> we will not. <laughs> okay. So hell, yeah. Like we want to say, hell yeah. Judgment. <laughs> hell yeah. Um. So we want to say that, like, yes, there's judgment. Yes, there's a there's um, some things that need to be burned away. But then, like. You know, talking about our upbringings a little bit ago, at my church, when I was growing up, my Southern Baptist church in West Virginia, we had a thing called Judgment House. Which oh, was, yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you probably went through it. I went um, once. It's a it's a Halloween weekend alternative for like youth groups. And they come and you put on a play. It's a big elaborate play. Um in the church, which is like, you know, about somebody dies or whatever. And then at the end, there are scenes, always a a hell scene. And we did it in different kind of ways. The one that really sticks out to me right now is, um, had a big room and we made, we put up some like temporary walls or whatever to make it like a maze. And we covered the, those walls in black tarps. It's dark, you know, turn out the lights. We turn the heat up as high as it would go. <laughs> right. Cause if you get it to a nice, like 82, oh, that feels so more hellish. Yeah. And make it, and and people are a lot more likely to pass out, which is good. <laughs> that's right. Smoke machines going, you know, and um, we had people in the corners of these, uh, maze as you're walking through, trying to feel your way through the maze. Um, People were screaming. They're being tormented. Help me. Help me. Um, and this is it. I mean, this was the picture yes. that I like that sucks. I don't I don't want that. I don't want to think that that that's the God. That, that being said, the time I that have. I went, I did get saved. Well, that's good. It fixed me. I'm glad. Um, I mean, I got saved a lot. A lot of times. Well, um, we we counted it. We tallied it every time. If yeah. you went through multiple times, <laughs> we got that. Yeah, I remember that. I, I actually went to it. So my our our church tradition had something similar. Ours was called Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames. Um, it was <laughs> yeah. a little it was a little less interactive, a little less haunted house. Um, it was a a big play that really about the biggest church in town would put on, and they had this. Um, the whole thing was a judgment, uh, like a. I guess Peter standing at the, the this it was always Peter. I don't know why it's Peter. I mean, I know the verse that refers to this that Peter will be the one judging. It's not really a verse that says that, but it, anyways, we drew that. Peter standing at the top and um there would be a scene that played out that led to someone's untimely death. Um and in the scene they were sometimes they were um they were drinking root beers. Uh <laughs> Because we couldn't even use real beer props. Uh, (laughs) It was root beers, but you have to pretend that they're not root. Um, And and they would die in a car crash or something like that. And then they would go to this like heavenly place 
And the best part about it, the the whole thing was everybody, as soon as they die, they think they went to heaven. Um, and there's this like, oh, there's oh, angels everywhere and Peter's standing at the top there. And they always have, this is a, a fun little Western, you know, American part of the story, is that every single person had to figure out for themselves why they were there. They were like, oh, yeah, I remember my grandma taught me this would happen and I never believed it. Like they had to yeah. come to the realization themselves where they were and what it was. But anyway, it looked like heaven. They'd have to walk up and say, is my name in that book? And if they had been drinking root beers, it was not in the book. If they had been, <laughs> right, sure. if they had been listening to um, whatever it was, Eminem's latest album, <laughs> then, uh, then their name was not in the book. And then this, and we literally had like, I know how we, we say so much, like the devil is not some red tights and horns and whatever. It was like, well, he was in this play. But he was in the <laughs> <laughs> Right. That yeah. guy would come out with some demons and drag them off while they scream all the way to hell. Or Jesus yeah. would come out and hug. And there were even scenes where like mother and daughter were there together and the daughter had become a Christian at youth camp and the mother had not. And uh, it, so she watched her mom being dragged away to hell. And then she walks up and Jesus comes out and hugs her and consoles her. And she's like, okay, well, I guess I'll get over it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Wouldn't it be, it would be like more honest if we could have in those plays, like Jesus being out there at the same time as the people are being dragged away. Just being like, see you later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. He's like, yep, yep. I've been there. (laughs) Sorry guys. Been there, done that. (laughs) Stole. (laughs) Stole the keys to it. Didn't like it much. That won't work for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's no good. Yeah. That's no good. We don't want... Maybe... Okay. So let's think about why it's no good first. Yeah. Because I think... I'm trying to say this in a way that's not like... Does, My my people, like, that I, I grew up with, I don't know that they would would be able to say that's no good. I mean, they would say it's sad. Right. But I don't know that they would know. So let's just, like, let's just be really pointed about that. I think um, a couple of things. It, first of all, it doesn't, it's illogical to me. It doesn't make sense. Um to have punishment that goes on forever, right? Um, I mean, I say that as, as like a parent, right? Yeah. And I don't do, I'm, I'm a real laissez-faire kind of parent. I'm, I'm the sort that, like, I just don't do anything and I hope that everybody turns out okay. <laughs> it seems to be working fine. But I get the, like... It's called choices, Joe. The, that, that's called choices style of parenting. That's, that's what I do. Teach my children to make choices. And yeah. by that, I mean, do whatever you want. See how it works out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't read a theory about it. I just, I'm lazy. Um, but, I, like, I understand, you know, if the, if the kid, um, you know, draws on the wall with a marker and then you you send them to timeout or whatever so that they won't do it again. 
right? Right. The point is that you're trying to teach them something, offer them a a, a way of reform. Um, but what people told me about hell growing up is that you're going to be consciously tormented forever. And that there's no, like, no take backsies on this. Like, you're, once you kick the bucket, that's the end of the choices, and you're just going to burn. Um, like, why? What, (laughs) what purpose does it serve? Right. In, like, in God's economy. Yeah. To do that. It just doesn't make any sense. And as a note on that, uh, I would challenge anyone to find an example of that in scripture, to find an example of God acting in a way that is not restorative uh, in its, in its yeah. intent or that does right. not reconcile in its intent that I would, I would challenge you to find a moment in scripture where God ever does something like that. Um, to his people or teaches his people to do the same, <laughs> like where, where God would say, uh, yeah, this isn't about making things right. It's about making people pay for what they have done or not done. Um, and, and I also, you know, the other thing for me is just, even if you live to be a hundred years old and you do nothing but hurt and damage and whatever your entire life, Eternity is still not justice. <laughs> <laughs> right. Still way too long. A hundred yeah. years of really, really terrible living, really, really awful stuff. I know Hitler's the example. I was like, okay, well, Hitler, you know, in the 50, 60 years, whatever of his lifespan, did more awful things than I know of another person. He's certainly the most famous, um, terrible person. Is eternity actually justice for that i mean even if he were even if he were given a life sentence for every jewish person that ever actually died under his reign or because of an order that he gave um and there's a lot of people responsible for everything that ever happened in the holocaust too like a lot of people are and i'm not the first person to say that but i'm just saying even if he were given that to me it's like that's harsh that's a lot that's a long time but at least that sounds a little more like justice Right. Yeah, see, at least that sounds like that it has a restorative purpose. You did a terrible thing. You can't come into heaven like that or you'll ruin it. You know, Hitler, you can't you can't be a part of yeah. this new heaven yeah. and new earth thing because obviously you ruined so many lives and you but there has to be some kind of restorative nature to it. And again, this isn't uh, hopefully we, we can get into and I, I'm sure you have this you you've shared some some of these thoughts with me before um, even just the this isn't just wishful thinking um, this isn't just a I can't even I can't even fathom a God who would do that it's also like do we really have a picture of a God who does that in the scriptures does that actually align um, with with who Jesus reveals God to be um, does that actually align with the scriptures as a whole? Um, punishment without restoration or punishment without purpose is really what I would call it. Yeah. Well, and, you know, the <clears throat> the other thing about that, I think, is that, like, part of the reason that I 
am. What did what did you call me? What's the I'm a choices <laughs> part of the reason that I'm a lazy parent or something like that I don't do is I just like I'm not the best dad in the world, but I can't bear it. Yeah. To see my child like when when my kids are upset, it just breaks my heart. I can't I can't take it and I can't imagine the thought of like hitting them like and I'm not even I'm not even talking about I'm not getting into the debate about like should you spank or not spank I've it's not a thing that I've done but I'm not, I don't I'm not going to fight anybody right. on parenting parenting's hard uh but my point is like I I personally can't bear it I can't bear the thought of that and I'm just like a fine dad yeah <laughs> like, shouldn't god be at least that nice yeah. Like how how is it that we can think of God? This is what what did it for me about hell is like I think it was it was having kids. Like I I just can't imagine I guess at one time I could think of God in sort of theoretically as loving and also as sending people to hell, but it was like when you really get down to brass tacks like I just don't get it. Like that's yeah. That's really way crueler than any parent. I and this, know. and this is the thought. This is a thought experiment that Jesus Himself hands us. I mean, Jesus is the one oh, who yeah, said, said this "Yeah, before. Jesus is the one who said, um, you earthly parents, you think you love your kids. Well, God loves better than that. Like you, your kids ask for a loaf of bread, and you do you give them a stone? No, they they ask for something else. And do you give them a snake?" No, like Jesus actually challenges us to to think of God as a loving heavenly father and as a father who's a better father than I am. Yeah. And and for me it's kind of like okay, well that's challenging to anyone who carries around a concept of eternal conscious torment. I know that that's a challenging thing to do. Uh, I have yet to really have a conversation with someone who who continues to cling to a sort of reformed that that old what what's old for me now an eternal conscious torment version of hell i've i've yet to find someone who can really reconcile that with me that jesus would say would you do that to your kids no you wouldn't and god is more loving than you are yet you arrive at somehow he could yeah. um and not to mention jesus says love your enemies but god doesn't like Jesus says, forgive eternally, but God doesn't like it. Not to mention all of the other things that Jesus says God is like, that says the kingdom of heaven is actually like love your enemies, forgive 70 times seven. <laughs> okay. Well, what, God's not doing that though. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's to me, it, it got to a point where it was like, you know, I, I'd later, became a theologian and became interested in studying scripture. And, and like, I think, you know, eventually today we're going to get into like, what does the Bible actually say about this stuff? And I don't think that you get this picture of eternal, like eternal conscious torment in hell. It's not, it's not in the Bible. Yeah. But if it were like before I realized that I got to the point where I was like, Look, I don't know if God if if God is like this, then like he's a mean bastard and I don't want anything to do with him. 
Yeah. Um, which is a so message just, that we're hearing a lot. Uh, let, yeah. Let's just let's pause for a second for the to to tug on the heartstrings of the evangelical. <laughs> Does that not sound familiar? Is that not a huge branch of atheism today? Is like yeah. your God is mean. Your God makes you mean. Your your God makes you prideful. Your God, your God doesn't sound like anything I would want anything to do with. Yeah. Um, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I mean that's it. That's like that's that's the thing. It was to me, hell was one of those sticking points that was like, if this is right, I'm just and and look like I'm I'm a person of faith. I've come to believe, I think, just from my own life experience, that faith is not. You know, I don't know. It's a mystery, but like, to me, it's not a thing that I was able to work up or like. It's just this like annoying it like gets stuck in your crawl kind of thing like I can't get rid of it if I wanted to yeah like I'm stuck with God I'm gonna (laughs) but it was like did you try the did you try the blue like jazz thing the did you ever read blue like jazz that Donald Miller I did I read it it, but I mean that was years years and years ago yeah there's only one there's two parts of it that stick out for me but one was the the night that he told God he didn't exist I think it was like at a car wash or something. And Donald Miller tells a story about like, I just decided I didn't like God. I didn't like it. And I told him, I was like, you don't exist. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And then, and then he writes a little bit about what it felt. So you didn't have, you couldn't see, cause I couldn't, I couldn't do it either. I I tried, I tried a few years ago to just say like, you know what? I think I might like to try my life without God for a little while. And I couldn't, I couldn't get there. I couldn't get to the point I know this is a stupid argument, but like atheism took way more effort for me Work than for me, yeah. than theism. I, I couldn't get to the point where I could actually accept and assume that there is not some kind of consciousness, some kind of love that made it all happen and that keeps it happening and that, that moves yeah. it forward. And, and I also, I can't even get to agnostic most of the time. I can't even get to the point where I would think that that exists, but doesn't want anything to do with me. Like <laughs> maybe right. I'm just that up my own butt, I guess. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, who would create I, like, me and not want a part, <laughs> not want to be a part. <laughs> yeah. I like, I can't get rid of God. And so I have to, you know, I mean, here's here's what I would like. This is about as pastoral as I'm able to be about this is to say, like, just don't believe in a God that is. That. That is awful. Like, a, yeah, like if, if there's a if there's a God that you just that sickens you, like or if there's a, a doctrine, a teaching, a whatever that that like you think is grotesque. Well, just don't believe that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you know, if that means this is an extremely challenging thing that, that you're, that you're suggesting, I, I'm coming more and more around to it because I'm, I'm realizing that we're all making choices anyways. We're all looking at the scripture. We're all looking at our Christian faith and making decisions about what matters to us and what doesn't. Nobody's looking at the book and following the book to the T like they say they are. Nobody's doing that. You, it's almost impossible. Like you, you would have to do contradictory things at times. You, you have to, yeah. you have to say this stuff matters more than that stuff or what. Um, but I just, 
I just wanted to pause there to acknowledge how incredibly difficult and academic of a statement that is. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, but you're listening to two academic thinkers here. I, I did not go but, the same path you did, but I do think that way. It's easy enough for me to just try it on and to just you say know what? Like, that didn't when when I came like that didn't feel academic to me. Yeah. At the time, it was like I either have to get rid of this belief or I have to get rid of God. And it didn't really matter. <laughs> I could have done either, but I just couldn't, you know, I couldn't get rid of God. So I was like, I'm done with this belief. That right. said, like, I also don't think it's biblical. I, you know, I've come, come to the place later where I realized that, like, okay, the, the way that the Bible talks about God and about the destiny of, of human beings is closer to what I want to, what I'm able to affirm. Um, yeah. But it wasn't academic at first. It was, it was, um, like, how can I survive this faith? So is there something to be said about, um, oh man, I could be crucified for saying something like this. Um, but it is the very thing that I've been accused of after, you know, the times that I've been sort of open about, abandoning old ways of thinking about hell would you say i mean it's fair to say you have to want to believe that that's not true you almost have to to want to go down that path first because and now again that's the thing that i've been accused of the most in this conversation is like well you just want to believe that you just want it to be better First of all, it's like, well, yeah, uh, <laughs> who wouldn't who wouldn't want the best possible future for all of humanity? Like, it's pretty weird that you wouldn't want that, even if you even if you think like we don't get that, we don't get what we want. God doesn't get what God wants, um, or what he, what he says he wants. Um, is that part of the equation though? Is just that like you you kind of have to want to get rid of it? Now I know the text is I know how how powerfully and profoundly and clearly the text points to the idea that the bible itself the scriptures themselves point to the idea that eternal conscious torment is not something that exists for first century jewish thinkers and no one who wrote the bible and that it's not in there you you just you, you will find very very few even opportunities to create that if you if you yeah. wanted to fabricate it you would find very few opportunities to even make it up but you get what i'm asking like does it does it have to start for everybody with like you gotta you gotta decide you don't want there to be eternal conscious torment for everybody who doesn't believe what you believe yeah i it may be an unfair maybe, question but i don't ahead. know i don't know how you could not want that <laughs> yeah i, I just know. think that's the challenging thing that that's the that's the accusation it's like you arrived at that, Drew, because you wanted to arrive at that. And and there's a part of me that's kind of like, well, yeah. Yeah, I <laughs> wanted the news to be better. You said it was good news, and then it sounded like terrible news. Like, um, this this sort of openness and, and not just openness, but hopefulness. Like, should we not hope that Muslims all across the world that children who do not 
who die before they reach an opportunity to to intellectualize faith in Jesus, um, or people with with mental handicaps and who never really reach a place where they could intellectualize this this faith. Do we not want to live in a world where there is hope that all of those people would have better than eternal conscious suffering and torment? I don't know. Yeah, I guess I'm just having a hard time imagining anybody who wouldn't want that. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I know. I don't think anybody wants that. I I think I believe better than than this for people. But I don't know how you stick with the idea. Why? Why accuse me of wanting better? Why? Why would that be the first line of defense? Is like, well, you believe that because you want to believe that. Why isn't the logical step for everyone to say, well, why don't you want to believe that? Right. I don't know. Well, I might be on know, a tangent I think here. That's it's not because, it, well, no, it, I mean, it makes sense. And it, it is, it's because that's what we've been told the Bible says, right? And, right. and people, we probably need to at some point do an episode about like, well, what about the Bible? What, you know, yeah. why, why are we so obsessed with it or whatever yeah that's worth thinking about that's gonna um, need more than one episode <laughs> yeah um but i think i mean that's it like that's for for my people at least for the people that i know that's it like they don't want this either nobody nobody wants this but they they do think that well we really do need to believe what the bible says and um and this is what we think it says okay well let's run with that Let's say, all right, well, let's go with what the Bible says. Yeah. But so let's start with repent. Let's start with maybe you, you need to change your mind about what the Bible says. <laughs> maybe you need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can I say one other thing about, and even if we don't, like it was a good transition moment to the Bible so we can do that. Um, but just in case we want this about why this picture of hell that we had is no good. Yeah. Um, why is this picture I, of hell that we had no good? So, you know, we talked about several things, but I think one of, one of the things that for me is a real big deal is, um, like, you know, you talked about at, at the play where, you know, a, m- a mother and daughter are there and like one gets ripped off to hell and one one is consoled by Jesus and taken into heaven or whatever. And it's like, how can that be heaven? <laughs> like, how can you? Yeah. I mean, this is a question that I asked even as a kid. Like, what? How can you enjoy that? How can you? like know that these people are being eternally tormented. I think you said at one time is like you're at a party in the attic and people are being tortured in the basement or yeah. whatever, right? Like how, how yeah. can you And it's the that? same guy's party, by the way. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's right. how he throws a party. <laughs> um, and, you know, people told me when I was growing up, well, you like in heaven, you'll forget, you'll forget those people or whatever. And like, well, here's the thing. I 
am, like a huge part of who I am is a father and yeah. A, yeah. a fiance and a brother and a son and a, right? I have all these identity, all, uh, all my identities wrapped up in these other people. Yeah. Um, and if I have to forget them or have to live with the fact that, well, I'm fine with them being tortured, like that just rips holes in me. It means that it means that no person as they exist today gets saved. Right. Yeah. Cause those people cease to be, we, uh, you know, it's like Desmond Tutu says a person is a person through other persons. Yeah. Like part of who you are is made up by these people who are going to be tortured in hell and you have to let them go. <laughs> and just and to like throw, that's, just to throw another, you know, fun little, thought experiment into that you're a person of faith because someone else told you about Jesus someone else led you into this faith and if and this is certainly going to happen somewhere there's plenty of people who you know teach the faith and then leave the faith if if we accept this I'm, I'm just playing science fiction I'm just playing Chris Nolan uh, with us here <laughs> <laughs> if the part of you that was tied to those other people that was shaped by those other people is stripped away you might end up in heaven first of all not Joe in any of the ways that Joe existed but also confused about your own faith in Jesus because your faith in Jesus was tied to a relationship with someone who was erased from your memory <laughs> <laughs> like right. the whole right. the whole thing just in a very science fiction way gets turned inside out to the point where you're like, well, how can I have faith if other people's impact on my life is erased from my life and erased from my memory? And I think, you know, we're, we're forced to reconcile with like the only way is for you to know there's a party in the basement. Like those people who went to hell, like I, I'm just again from a science fiction thinking like this is the brain i have right now this is the way i have to con conceptualize these things right now i have to accept that those people being tortured in the basement while i'm at the party are still somehow in my consciousness or i am not at the party <laughs> or i'm not there that's not me there anyways it's confusing yeah. and weird and but so, these are the things that these are the things that that uh, that tear it apart for me. When you start to really give it some logical thought and not just take it for this is what I have to believe if I want to go to heaven, I have to believe this about hell, uh, and start to you know open yourself up to like maybe I don't have to believe that, and can start looking at it from all the angles. You start to realize how. I mean, no offense, because there are really brilliant and wonderful people who continue to believe these things, but you start to realize how irrational a lot of it is, how illogical a lot of it is, and how a lot of our own thoughts and beliefs about these things can't even stand on their own two legs. Yeah, it's, it's irrational and it's evil, frankly. It's evil. There is no good in it. <laughs> <laughs>